eventual lady ghosts that I'm going to be speaking about today are Madame Koi Koi, who is an African legend, and Kushisaki Ona, slit-mouthed woman from Japanese legend. <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> well, why does it have to be slit-mouthed? <laughs> you're like sitting there and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you alone today? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the Spooktober edition of the Badass and Bookish podcast. We'll be sharing paranormal and occult stories for the month of October. And we're back. For episode three. And the first episode of Spooktober. My favorite time of year. Mine too. I can't wait. I'm going to actually decorate this week. I have big plans that, because you know, I don't do that stuff, but I actually have plans because I feel like I can win. (laughs) So I want to, I want to like, but I'm not going to tell you because I want to surprise you. Halloween. (laughs) <laughs> how do you win halloween who when, i mean who i haven't i've never decorated up until like ever because that's not my jam you know like even just to get me to decorate for christmas is a schlep but then i got this idea and i feel like i'm willing to partake in this inane activity because there's a chance that I could win. So now it becomes interesting to me. You mean win at decorating? Mm-hmm. Win Halloween. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes. And I mean, it's like my birthday month. Mm-hmm. Plus, just all the you know. I mean, every birthday's big, but this one's a big one for you. Yeah, and I'm like, because it's just like all the spook. That's like what I'm about. Like I live in spook land. Twelve months out of the year, but in October it becomes okay, <laughs> and that's why I love it. So anyway, to commemorate our first episode, I have migrated to my spooky mug. Oh, I don't have anything themed. It's a little bit busted up because it's old, but I love it. It's my little skull mug. And then, of course, my first, the first time I ever felt seen was when I watched a spooky character who was nicknamed Spooky. And... Oh, doing the t-shirts. Spooky Mulder today to commemorate our first baby. I love Spooktober. You seem (laughs) painfully underwhelmed. (laughs) If this is you winning at Spooktober, I'm going to kill it. No, because like your face is just basically the facial expressions I have to deal with on a daily basis. Like me talking about ghosts and people being like, (laughs) looking at me like... Uh, so did anything scare you this week maybe we should start there seeing as it is spooktober um 
Okay, so funny you bring that up. I was actually saving this for the podcast because you know, I tell you everything because we talk for 12, upwards of 12 hours every day. Um, so remember how we always spoke about my new house being clean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it turns out maybe not so much, but I was, I've also been slacking on burning the incense. And maybe it's just like my depression or whatever that's inviting things in. But anyway, so a shadow person paid me a visit. And it was, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the worst shadow experience I've had. So it was fine because it's like, I could feel it. Like, you know, that feeling, that sleep Mm -hmm. paralysis feeling and whatever. And then... Whereas usually I freeze up and hide under my covers like Stephen King suggests. This time I just sort of like looked over my, because I was under the blankie and then I like looked and saw this mess that's not the usual mess in my room and just like turned back over and I was like, you know what, whatever. But I could fight it, like I could fight it off. It didn't get me. So I suppose that didn't scare me, but a scary thing that happened. What did scare me was last night I thought somebody had broken in. Oh, real world. Real world scary. Yeah, not spooky scary. Okay. What scared you this week? So this week has been hard preparing for the episode because I haven't wanted to research it because I get scared so easily. And also I'm alone here because Hugh's working. So me in this farmhouse by myself with nobody for hundreds of kilometers <laughs> so um and he comes home late when it's dark already plus last night the electricity because of load shedding goes off at six and so i'm sitting alone in the dark in that's why you've been putting this off because you're yeah, a scary cat because i'm <laughs> scared so last night when Lida came home we had supper whatever and then when we got into bed i did research <laughs> because i wasn't alone <laughs> So um, anyway, also because over the weekend, it was also a blackout. We were sitting in the room and it was pitch dark and we were talking. um, And then we just heard a commotion on my dressing table. And I have an antique dressing table, right? So like my cousin. You know about antiques. So there's like a bevel mirror on the top. And then my cosmetic stuff, like nail polishes and stuff like that. And then we get a commotion and then things fall on the floor. But Astrid is with us on the bed. So th- there's nobody else. Seven's outside. Astrid's with us on the bed. We Astrid is a cat for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. She's a cat. Um, <laughs> and then we're like, what the fuck? We hear things fall on the floor. So um, Hugh then goes to get a torch and looks and then my nail polishes fell on the floor and was rolling around, triggered by a shower cap that was hanging to the side and above that fell down apparently and then hit the nail polishes and the nail polishes fell on the floor. And from that moment forth, I haven't made eye contact with the mirror in the house. I just There's a portal. Um, and as soon as dusk comes, I'm like walking around like no. this. 
because yeah so that was I was scared I was scared by that you have a lot of activity in that house yeah and the thing is I can feel something in the house like even now Mm -hmm. I can feel something in the house but I'm just and they say talking about it sort of like wakes them up exactly that's this why is also why I didn't really mention the shadow person because I was like so disappointed because I was happy at having a clean house and then this thing happened so a big part of me not talking about it was like I didn't want to provoke it or acknowledge them mm-hmm. it's game over now anyway. it's game over now because now we're doing this whole series <laughs> like my YouTube and like browser history so anyway yeah that scared me but also I watched Hocus Pocus 2 have you watched it yet no and also like I because the weekend was so busy I wanted to watch it when it landed um but then I didn't get around to it and then I spoke to you before I had gotten around to it and now it's like I want to watch it even I mean not even even this I was amped for it Mm. I was really excited to to see it but hearing your scathing review (laughs) it was such a letdown so I guess that that happened this week too um but I am putting together a fun Halloween movie night playlist for you and I uh things like um Beetlejuice that kind of vibe not real scary things I actually there Uh, was um I came across a Twitter thread yesterday where someone was asking for like Halloween vibe movies, but mm. not scary for their kids. And I was going to save it, but then it's like, yeah. And Beetlejuice, the Goonies were on there. Um, Witches of Eastwick. I don't know if that's on your list. Um, yeah. I was going to do the original Hocus Pocus um, yes. and Beetlejuice and Night Before Christmas. I like okay. that at Christmas and at Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm also not as young as I used to be, so I don't even know if I'm going to get through those three in like. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, you're going to like do it all in one? Yeah, I was thinking. Oh, wowzers. But we'll see. Because I think I might be in Cape Town over Halloween. You're so going to be in Cape Town over Halloween. Because I don't think I'm going to be here. So we'll probably do it. I would like you to be yeah, and then you can see how I win. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anything. I mean, I'm, I'm talking this up so much. I actually just have one thing that I want to do. I don't know about anything. Are you else. gonna like make something little, and then you're gonna be like, "This is how I win. All I do is win, 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 win." So, what are you reading? Um. I am reading. I love your office, damn it. And all I have as a background is an unmade bed. It's finally done. And I can finally move in. So now it's, yeah, it's my happy space. I am reading. It looks like a happy space. Wakenhurst, which has, I actually just bought it for the cover. I really like the cover. Oh, it's pretty. And it's okay. It's not great, but okay. <laughs> so in Edwardian Suffolk, a manor house stands alone in a lost corner of the fens, a glinting wilderness of water whose whispering reeds guard ancient secrets. Maud is a lonely child growing up without her mother, um, ruled by her repressive father. 
when he finds a painted medieval devil in the graveyard, unhallowed forces are awakened. Maud's battle has begun. She must survive a world haunted by witchcraft, the age-old le legends of her beloved Fen, and the even more nightmarish demons of her father's past. That's really stepping out of your comfort zone. It's very different, but also because my imagination is very powerful and I've been alone here, like I've been saying. Um, only read at noon <laughs> in the brightest of sunlight. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's actually really nice to read something that's different. Different. Yeah. Although it started out as a bit of a murder mystery, and then I was like, "Is this a murder mystery?" But it's not. Okay, I like. I mean, big surprise. I like scary books, creepy books. So anyway, I want to talk about two. So what I'm currently reading, I had to stop because it's so my um spooky kink, if you will is a haunted house i love haunted house. i love movies tv shows mm -hmm. and that is why um the haunting of hill house is like that's scary <laughs> so and one of the if not the best i would say top three uh shows ever made in the history of the world despite that it's harder it's just very well done anyway that can be a whole 50 episodes but anyway so i started reading this house mm -hmm. of leaves it's a haunted house um novel i started reading this a while back months months ago but then i had to stop because it's so scary it's like while you're reading you check over your shoulder to make sure because you suddenly feel like you're not alone speaking mm -hmm. about that like calling things to you or whatever but what is beautiful about this book is that it's um the way that it's written it's sort of like got annotations and then there are parts like where it's upside down and experience yeah like notes in the margin and can you sort of so uh -huh. basically the way that it's written is so that it reads because you're sort of following the the main character and the way that it's written is so that it reads you follow his mental decline mm. as you move through the book. That's just and it's just it's so good. It's so good and so creepy. Very well done. So that's something that I picked up again because I had to stop, like I said, because it was too scary. But I picked picked it up again because of spooky season. And because I enjoy the story. <laughs> it's just I need to take breaks. But because of our because of this episode, I picked up a book I bought um, in March, according to my inscription, because I inscribe all my all my books. I bought it in March, but promptly brought it home and then buried it under a stack of okay. other books because I wanted to own it to read, but I also knew that I didn't have the guts maybe or I think it's like trauma that's sitting with me from the movie but anyway I pulled it out because of this episode and I am now reading oh <laughs> the, Exorcist. 
<laughs> I'm now reading The Exorcist. Is it as scary as the movie? Not yet. Um, but I think seeing the movie first is definitely, it probably makes the book scarier for me. Because you have the imagery to, to draw it on. Mm. And also the law. Um, just like how cursed the making of that movie was. So all of that is sort of like swimming in my in my brain while sometimes I will on purpose force my imagination to make something comical like ridiculous <laughs> exactly <laughs> because it's too much to handle so like if a so I'll take the vision and then make it almost make it low budget so that it's not mm. as scary, as scary. Um, I mean I but don't you feel that you fail at that because yes. you're smart yes so I was gonna say it's like you could try to trick yourself but you know that it's real so <laughs> so, so on that note <laughs> so on that note I think I go first today yeah and I'm gonna be talking about vengeance demons Okay. Or vengeance ghosts. Like Anya. So, Anya? Oh, Anya, yeah, was a vengeance demon. I was so sad when she died. She didn't have to die. Her. She was one of my favorite she characters. She was so cool. And I just loved the authenticity about her. Like, she was just real. Mm. She was a favorite. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about, okay, not vengeance demons. That's my Buffy era coming out. I'm talking about vengeance ghosts. Um... So the definition, a vengeful ghost, is a class of ghosts that speaks to spirits of people who remain in the 3D realm, which is here where we are, specifically to seek revenge. And because this is badass and bookish, I'm going to be covering two um, female vengeance ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, so for um, the revenge part, it can be things like... Um, having having suffered a cruel or violent death or in some cases even an improper burial could be enough for a ghost to stick around and seek revenge for um in cultures where things like that are sacred um Mm -hmm. so in some cultures burial customs are really important like the vikings the hindu so when these customs aren't carried out it could anger the spirit and result in it sticking around so this is why getting into it, you'll find these vengeful ghosts in pretty much all cultures around the world because <laughs> it, it doesn't take much for a ghost to want to stick around and sort of get one over on the people that wronged them. Um, the main difference between a, a regular ghost and a vengeful one so with regular ghosts, um, it's people who don't want to cross over because they have unfinished business or they don't know they did, so they don't know how to cross over or mm-hmm. it hasn't occurred to them. I don't know. But with vengeful ghosts, sticking around is a choice. They want to remain in our plane of existence to pretty much get revenge on the people they think wronged them in some way. So instead of being stuck in an old house walking the same paths day in and day out, clanging chains and flipping light switches, these vengeful ghosts have a mission, an ice-cold dish of revenge. Revenge is a dish best served cold. I think that's what I was thinking of when I wrote that. 
<laughs> the ice cold dish over there. Oh my god. Reports state that these ghosts actually torment people physically as well as psychologically. And that's what makes a good venge vengeance ghost. Is like if they have a two-prong attack. There have been cases of people being attacked, slapped around, and scratched by an invisible force. And where other types of ghosts can be helped to cross over, so to speak, vengeful ghosts don't leave until they feel they've punished the ones who've wronged them. So they're not satisfied until they get their own back. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Should I do like wellness checks every now and then? No, it's okay. Okay. So for crossing over, once these ghosts, so since these ghosts aren't like your average Joe ghost, getting rid of them is a little more complicated. So there's no helping them toward the light or whatever because they're not going to budge until they get their revenge. Um, people, and because of this, people have had to get creative when it comes to banishing vengeful ghosts. So in religious cultures, this includes exorcisms. So not only of people, but they exercise homes and other areas as well. You can exercise objects, sort of like by binding, which brings mm -hmm. us to the Dybbuk box. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I'm mm -hmm. going off, off topic. Anyway, yeah, I'm going off topic. Um, so it's uh, exorcisms. Then another way is appeasing the ghost um, to get rid of it. Um, if the only reason it's sticking around is to get revenge, you can help it do that so that it can move on. But this only works if you know who it is you're dealing with and why they are still around. So bringing a murderer to justice, for example, is a way of appeasing mm -hmm. a vengeful ghost, getting revenge on their behalf. Um, another way in some cultures where sacred burial is a big deal and you again you have to know who the ghost is and why they're sticking around so if it's because they had an improper burial a way to sort of help them to cross over is to then give them a proper burial so that their spirit can be addressed um, in other cases people would cover the dead body in salt as well as place the person as the place the person was killed and the murder weapon if they have it that's in so Oh, is it? So mm -hmm. salt everything up and then burn it all. The body, the ground, the weapon. So so they were actually working with actual law. I've never watched Supernatural. What do you mean? I can rewatch that show so much in daylight. It seems a little hokey. <laughs> mean, what do you mean? Okay, just carry on. I don't know. I feel like it, for me, I just get this like, oh. You know, like people making fun of ghost stories. No, they're not. I feel like they don't take it seriously. And that's my opinion. <laughs> I'm allowed to have. You are allowed to have your opinion. But you also don't like other, like you don't, you didn't like Grum either. Mm. You're very purist. <laughs> Perhaps. Purist. Yeah. I just like it. People should respect the thing that they're dealing with. Anyway, that's a whole other 50 episodes. What I found a little strange in my research was this preventative measure I came across. The Northern Achi people. I mean, it's spelled like ache. A-C-H-E. The Northern Achi people in Paraguay believe that some old people are hosts to vengeful spirits. 
and cremate them off the bat instead of having a ceremonial burial. They're like, your sus not going to take the chance. <laughs> they don't even like give the vengeance ghost a chance to uh, materialize. They're just like, if you're old, we're burning you because just in case. So <laughs> you might be wondering, what does this have to do with today's ghost story? As it turns out, and not surprisingly at all, is that most vengeful ghosts across the world, anywhere, anywhere in the world, in any culture, most vengeful ghosts are women, which shouldn't come as a surprise, as a surprise because they all you need to qualify is be treated like shit in your life, wrongful death. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense. So the two vengeful lady ghosts that I'm going to be speaking about today are Madame Koi Koi, who is an African legend, and Kushisaki Ona, slit-mouthed woman from Japanese legend. <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> Why does it have to be slit <laughs> Because you're like sitting there and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you alone today? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <sighs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm going to keep you on the line until 9 p.m. when you get home. <laughs> Like so excited over here, like I can't wait to dive in, and you're just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so Madame Koi Koi was a really cool discovery because um, I started researching her, or she came up when I was researching female women vengeful ghosts, and then as I got into it, I was like she has been a part of my formative years and I didn't even know it. Anyway, let's get into it. So Madame Koi Koi is the African version of evil teacher ghost haunting students. Okay. So she's famous in Nigeria, in Ghana. Um, in Ghana, she's Madame High Heel. <laughs> in Tanzania, she's Miss Konkoko. And in South Africa, she's known as Pinky Pinky. No ways. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Pinky Pinky, right? So I didn't know this. Same, I up same on our, Yes, I remembered that we had a Pinky Pinky. And we used Pinky Pinky to scare each other in school. Like whenever we went to the bathroom as a group of kids, a group of girls, we would use Pinky Pinky. And I thought that it was just, young girls being stupid mm. but it turns out that it's real and now I'm like um, I'm going to say posthumously but I'm not dead what's it like um, retro, I'm retroactively terrified <laughs> for that girl that I was I thought it was fun and games so Nigeria, Ghana and South Africa all agree on the same things she's the ghost of a mean ass teacher and wears red high heels. The Nigerian name Koi Koi 
was given to her because of the sound her heels make going down hallways in schools and dorms. Madam Koi Koi is a 24-7 vengeance ghost, working during the day when she attacks kids in school bathrooms and at night when she haunts kids in their dorms, so at boarding schools. Bathrooms and dorms are her thing, apparently. She's known <laughs> to target students who are at school either too late or too early. It's just, you can't win. Which, at first, I thought it was weird because what the hell does punctuality or tardiness have to do with anything? But then I realized it's probably those times when the schools are at their emptiest. So mm -hmm. it took me a while to get there, but I got there. Also, it's a good time to have this kind of story. There are fewer witnesses. So if you are the person who have you've encountered Madam Koi Koi, that's what I mean by it's a good time to have the story because there are fewer witnesses. You can sell it more easily mm -hmm. to people when um, you talk about it because there's nobody who will be like, I was there, they're talking shit, it never happened kind of a thing. So anyway, in Nigeria, the legend has it that this teacher was really beautiful and known for the red high heels she'd wear to school. You'd hear the clip-clop sounds as she made her way around. Another thing she was known for is being an asshole to the kids. I had a clip-clop asshole teacher, but anyway. She was apparently, right? So is that a thing? And she was attractive. Oh, my clip-clop teacher was, wasn't attractive. She just had the clip-clop heels and was an asshole. But then once oh, you get to I'm not going to say this, just in case there's any. Oh, my God. What? Oh my god! <laughs> what? What? What a realization! My teacher, the clip top teacher, she wasn't an asshole. She was just strict, like very, very strict. And she was attractive. And her surname is actually Afrikaans for red. And I hope she never sees this. Her surname is Afrikaans for red. Red. Van Close enough. Yeah. Van Royen. Is it fine? Is it just fine, Roy? Yeah. <laughs> right? How crazy is that? So she better be burned. Because <laughs> she's going to come back as Madame Koiko. She's primed for it. She was a vengeful ghost in a waking life. So, I mean, there's a difference between being very strict and being an asshole. Like, Madam Koi Koi, for instance, was apparently really mean to the kids. She would slap them around for no um, reason. Yeah. And we were just talking about, like, I think we can all remember. Ugh. I don't know. Do you have experiences of teachers getting violent, physically violent? I think it was illegal by the time I went through school. I remember. No, I'm not talking about um, getting, like, cut or whatever i'm talking about like manhandling a student yeah like slapping them around no that wasn't around when i was in school i had that history i'm not gonna name names but he was like an ex-military with a beard and he would like grab the boys by their collars and shove them lift them off the ground like shove them into the board and stuff like that never with the girls but with the boys and even like today i'm in my late 30s but whenever i hear the word mesopotamia i see his lips moving under his overgrown like beard mustache combo 
Kız iyisi çokum akmasa bu tövbe And Mesopotamia is such a wonderful concept. How dare he ruin it? So he's ruined it. Yeah, he's ruined it for me, for life. So, long story short, Madame Koi Koi was bad. But was she bad enough to deserve what happened to her? Anyway, so the stories got out that she actually got pleasure from beating her students. <clears throat> And apparently there was never a good reason for it. She just enjoyed it. So that's where the stories, whether you're in Nigeria, Ghana or South Africa, that's where the stories, the similarities end. So then it sort of splits into two different versions. In one version, it goes, um, one day she got really bad and slapped a student so hard she injured her ear or something. And so they fired her. She packed up making a scene about how she was going to get revenge on the school and its students. And then on her way home, she was in a car accident and died. Wow. So that's sort of like a vanilla version of she got fired and was mad about it. And that's why she became a vengeful ghost. The other version is a little darker and I should probably give a trigger warning for sexual assault here. So for anybody who might want to just skip past this part. But um, three, two, one. Okay. So the students got sick and tired of her beating on them. And then when the school's administration failed to deal with her, the students decided, a group of students decided to take it into their own hands. And then one night after school, they waited for her to leave. And when she went out to her car, they ambushed her, gagged her and started beating her. One of them ripped off her red high heel shoe that she was wearing and then used that to beat her. Eventually, she stopped fighting back and stopped moving altogether. And they realized that they'd gone too far and that she was actually dead. In a panic, the students threw her body over the school fence, hoping that the police would think it was a robbery gone wrong. Um, a divergence of that ambush is that one of the students there actually raped her as well. Um, so then the students involved started disappearing one by one. <clears throat> Nobody could explain what happened to them because there was no note pointing to runaways Or so they didn't, nobody knew them. they were responsible for it. No. Okay. So then all the students that were part of that ambush started disappearing and there was no evidence left behind um, until there was just one student left and it was the one who beat her with her own shoe and apparently assaulted her as well. He told other students at the school that he could hear high heels walking in the hallways in his dorm at night. And he even said that he thought it was the teacher coming for him. So he went so far as to, because he was afraid, obviously the rest of his gang are gone mm -hmm. and he's hearing these things. So he started talking about it and telling other students about it, but obviously nobody believed him. So then one night the heels were back and he decided to go check where the sound was coming from. He never made it back to his dorm and his body was found the next morning badly beaten to death. After this discovery, the school was shut down and the students sent home. Another deviation. Oh, no, I, I said that already. Okay. So there are stories that it was the same boy who the teacher was secretly in love with. And that's why she was always so angry and abusive because that's what happens when you love someone. So she 
loved him, but because she was the teacher and he was a student, never did anything about it. And then sort of, I don't know. I don't know. That's one of the the explanations. So um, this boarding school did exist and did shut down. And finding information about it is sketchy. Like, it's very difficult to find why it shut down, which leads me to believe that maybe there's some truth to these these stories. So activity in um, this boarding school, some of the things that Madame Koikoi does, aside from make a racket as she roams the halls of schools and dormitories, she opens and closes doors in the classrooms and the dorms. She can be heard singing and whistling in hallways. Most of the time when students report seeing her, it's that she's entirely invisible except for one red high heel that she wore the night she was killed. Um, she haunts students in their dorms at night, waking them up in the middle of the night, demanding they return her missing shoe. In South Africa, where she's known as Pinky Pinky, she's visible only to girls appearing in school bathrooms and threatening to attack them if they wear pink underwear. Was that... Do you remember that story? I remember no. that story. No. So, although she's not a beautiful teacher, she's part human, part animal. They don't say which parts are human and which are animal. But for whatever reason, she's invisible to boys. And although she does attack boys in their bathrooms and she leaves scratches on their faces and slaps them around or whatever. But um, the girls are where she's mostly sort of active in the girls' bathrooms. Um, so one of the stories that went around about Pinky Pinky was that you shouldn't say her name three times while looking into a mirror, which is that mm -hmm. whole mirror portal thing and where stories like Candyman and Bloody Mary come from because that's where that's how you summon the thing you don't want. And then that's also how a lot of girls scared each other. I remember mm. like standing in front of the bathroom mirror and then saying pinky pinky three times and then running out while you're still in the stall and about to die. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so a recent activity, like as early as the 2000s, after twenty tens, we've had we've had um, reports, Pinky Pinky or Madam Koi Koi reports. Okay. So a group of high school students in Kempton were having a a braai or barbecue on the school grounds. That night, they dared a girl to go into the girls' bathroom by herself. Oh, according to the Facebook, according to the Facebook comment, she was in there for no more than thirty seconds before she came running out and crying. She told them that while she was in there, an angry voice told her to get out and she was shoved really hard from behind. When the others inspected her back, they found four long claw marks on her back. And she was alone in the bathroom. So, that's creepy. And that's... Uh, yes. I'm not going to be able to pee for the rest of the day. Yeah, and don't another mirror not to look into. I generally don't, tend not to look. I don't look into mirrors. But then I can't the look. Time I, I have to like walk between mirrors to leave the office. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm sorry. Just this recording later. 
So do you want me, maybe we should save the slip-mouthed woman for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> you would just very short. say that the hair on the back of my neck is like... It's really short. So I'll, you know what? We, what we're going to do in the spirit of uh, good mental health, we're going to leave this one for... I'll slip it into another episode. It's a, short one, to say, another to say, it's a short one. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. And you know how the Japanese ghosts are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want to have that image in your mind because, like you said, your imagination is like on overdrive. So it doesn't matter what I say or how long or short it is. You're gonna picture that girl from the ring getting out of the well all jerkily. What? <laughs> I keep wanting to look behind me, but I don't want to. Okay. So um, I think I'm just going to call it there. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I care about you. Shoo. Because now um, I already can't pee for the rest of the day <laughs> or leave or leave the room. Or leave the chair. And the thing is, I have to go open for him, which means if the electricity is out, I have to walk through the dark house to go open the door because he didn't take a key. Why did you take- have a, You have a torch. Why didn't you take the key? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you are in distress over there. In distress. You are not leaving the line. I don't care. Cancel your plans. You're going to be on speaker with me for the rest of the day. Um, okay. It's time for my story. Okay. And my story is going to be about the bell witch haunting. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Bell Witch, by the way. It's one of my favorites. <sighs> okay. Are you okay? <laughs> Actually, you look this way a little bit. So I can defend myself against the door. Um, <laughs> what? I, I want to look behind me. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> okay. The Bell Witch Hauntings is a legend based on a historical occurrence um, in 1817. So it took place in Red River, Tennessee, which in present day is close to a city called Adams. Yeah. And it, uh, the story concerns John Bell, who is a wealthy farmer and moved to Red River in the early 1800s, so around 1804, with his huge family. He had a lot of children and his wife, and he was a wealthy farmer, so obviously he had a whole bunch of slaves. So in 1804, he bought the farm, which was 320 acres with the farmhouse, and it was him and his wife, and their children, Jesse, Drury, John Jr., Benjamin, Esther, Zadok, which I don't even know was a name, <laughs> Elizabeth, who was also called Betsy, Richard, and Joel. That's like an alien name. That's a lot of kids. 
That's a lot of kids. I mean, I don't even know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine children. Um, what was his wife's name? Lucy. So John and Lucy, they born a Zadok. Do you think it's because their names were so plain they wanted to? Um, maybe it's a Bible name, but a less common oh. because they were very religious in the 80s. Okay. So I'm assuming yeah. it's a Bible name. That's looking for trouble, but anyway. <laughs> so they buy the farmhouse in 1804 and move in with their family. Actually, while they're there, the younger kids are actually born there. So like Richard and Joel. Richard was about six when the happenings started at the farmhouse. So it started all... With the farmhouse, eh? Domestic right. <laughs> This is why I'm facing this way now. (laughs) (laughs) So they were living there for 13 years, actually, before anything actually happened. Unlucky number 13. Mm. Exactly. And then it started off with their slaves reporting instances. So something, a lot of the the slaves, they reported that while they were working, they would see unusual animals making their way across the property animals that wouldn't usually be seen there and also animals that were also unusual like the one reported the animal had the body of a black dog and the head of a rabbit with red (laughs) okay with red i'm fine and the one slave in particular was actually named dean he mentioned being stalked by a black dog while he was trying to do his work and it actually tried like repeatedly tried to attack him so he would go everywhere with an axe and this amulet thing that his wife made him to protect him there's because it happened so long ago and people back then i guess it was very easy to make up stuff let's put it that way there are a lot of different Mm -hmm. accounts like in the one account dean was actually turned into a mule and then turned back again so it it differs and also there was a book written about the the whole saga called the authenticated history like nothing was authenticated it it was just um when you know there are hardly any books in existence yeah i'm just like thinking like how to realize that Dean was a mule like some guys probably like walking down a farm road one day and be like see a mule and be like Dean is that you <laughs> that you buddy <laughs> and he's like mule. <laughs> <laughs> like how does that even and then like go to the market and then tell everybody you guys aren't going to believe this Dean was turned into a mule blah 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 meanwhile he was probably just like high on something because so I think it was a case of Dean being by himself so it's Dean's story being turned into a mule and being turned back oh oh um so things like that started happening um and then the other slaves also started reporting things like being locked out of doorways mysteriously and then flickering lights which they call dead man's candles they would notice flickering lights at the tree line at night okay and then it would move towards the farmhouse but it would never quite get there so it would just move and then go back so 
things like that started. That's how it started. And eventually things started happening inside of the farmhouse. So the family started reporting things like knocking on doors, but then there's nobody there and a room being empty, but then the sound of chains being dragged across the ground. While they were sleeping, they would hear rats gnawing on their bedposts, but there wouldn't be anything there when they checked. And then eventually it progressed to, they would hear a disembodied voice, like choking. And eventually a disembodied voice started speaking to them. At this point, John Bell, who, who through the, eight, the 13 years, he'd actually risen to an elder in the church, in the Baptist church, which was like the center of the community. He was very respected. So he had a lot of contacts within the church and just with powerful people in general. And he actually invited a few of these people over, essentially for a seance. <laughs> they came, mm-hmm. to the house, came over and tried to make contact to find out what the spirit wanted and in that seance they actually got a name out of the spirit so apparently this word said kate like that's the name and in some versions of the story some people saying that it's so they had a neighbor mary kathleen kathleen what was the surname man who went by the name of Kate. So some people were saying that she's either the witch or the witch is hers. Okay. Because the mans have a family feud with the bells and over a slave, basically, that was sold or something like that. So something happened. There was okay. a disagreement between one of the men in the man family, older men and bell. And what that has to do with her, she just happened to be somebody called Kate in the family so it's like it's a slippery slope because they could burn somebody for witchcraft and you didn't even have anything to do with it so some people think that it's her but there's no evidence linking it to any of the occurrences other than now the family feud yeah Um, and then the other thing that came out in the seance is that the gold sheba what isn't she connected to the bell witch Bathsheba, why is that name coming to mind? Okay, anyway, I um, don't know <laughs> what that was. Sorry. <laughs> so it, during the, the seance, the voice also described its intention to kill John Bell. So that was that was what the spirit was. So nobody's seeing anything. They're just hearing all these things. Yep. Okay. So... Again, some people were looking at ventriloquism as a possible, but yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway, so basically for three years, shit just escalated. It went from, you know, the knocking and stuff to actually physical assault, particularly on Betsy and John Bell. So Betsy would be experiencing sensations when she tried to sleep of like being pricked with needles, being beat, beaten being scratched, stuff like that. And then some of the kids would have their blankets ripped off them in the night. And John Bell reported having, okay, so having his shoes fly off 
Why is he sleeping with shoes on? Was that a thing? I think that must have been a thing in the 1800s, but apparently it's bed Why shoes. is he sleeping with shoes? Oh, he's bed shoes. I'm, assu no, I'm assuming it's bed shoes, oh. but apparently it's shoes. You, like bed slippers? That was a thing, I think. And so apparently it got so bad that Betsy couldn't sleep. And then they sent Betsy to a neighbor's house to get a good night's rest. Oh, While man. sleeping at the neighbor's house, so everything was calm. Then all of a sudden, while sleeping there, the door flies open and a cold gust of wind sweeps through the room. And then eventually the neighbors struggle to light a candle only to discover the door closed. And then a disembodied voice says, Betsy, you should not have come over here. You know I can follow you anywhere. Now get a good night's sleep. <laughs> so apparently, so Betsy was one of the targets and John Bell. So the spirit wanted to kill John Bell. And it's reported to have said John Bell is a bad man on a couple of occasions. Okay. Um, it basically like hated John Bell. Betsy was also the recipient. But the goal with Betsy because there was a couple of instances reported where it almost had a, a protective attitude towards Betsy as oh, well. The where, like sometimes it would say, I won't bother you for the rest of the night and she'll feel a hand on her face, mm -hmm. like a like a motherly pet. Yeah. Um, I mean, John Bell being a bad man as an elder of the church, that tracks. As a slave owner. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Um, so... The spirit's intention with Betsy apparently was it wanted her to call off the wedding. She was engaged to her other neighbor and childhood sweetheart, Joshua Gardner. Okay. She was engaged to Joshua Gardner, but the witch wanted to keep them apart. And eventually the encounters became too much and she called off the wedding and they didn't get married. So anyway, so in 1820, John Bell gets sick. And so this is now after three years of torment. Why they don't just leave the house? I don't understand. John Bell gets sick. And Richard, actually, who is nine at this point, he kept a diary later in life. We wrote down a lot of these things and then he eventually turned it into a book, the various accounts of things. And Richard noticed or noted his father's complaints during this period while he was getting sick. And the complaints were things like twitching in the face and in the mouth and difficulty swallowing. And eventually one morning they couldn't get their father out of bed and he'd slipped into a coma. And then he died like the next day or something like that. And when they were now around the bed and stuff, John Junior notice, notices a vial of dark liquid on the bedside table next to his father. Mm -hmm. And then he is laughing and singing. Like, disembodied. <laughs> he disembodied <laughs> laughter and singing. And basically the witch taking credit for poisoning John. The Bell family then experiment with the dark liquid to see now if it is a poison. 
they give some to the cat, which is terrible. I was going to ask, like, how? And then they it occurred to me. And then, and then the cat the next day. And then they threw some in the fire to dispose of it. And the flames turned blue for a period of time and then went back to normal. Also, apparently the smell of the liquid, the doctor confirmed that it's the same scent that was on John's breath. So okay. in modern, like a modern chemist, chemistry professor, Dr. Megan Mann, she was really, now I'm thinking that it's not the man's. Man. Because man is in the, the name of the... I put the name wrong. Gun. What? It's gun. So the neighbors oh. are guns. The guns, not the man's. I'll put like, a little... What if she's a descendant of the man's and she's part of a cover-up? Megan Mann is the chemistry professor that was researching it to try to find an explanation for this. So she was saying all of those symptoms is in line with heavy metal poisoning, specifically arsenic, oh. especially the way the cat reacted, the blue flames and all of those. Okay. Plus in the eight, early 1800s, that's when murder by arsenic was becoming quite popular. And a lot of women were using it to dispose of abusive husbands and a lot yep. of were actually using it to get rid of their slave owners so they have a chance at freedom so okay. that was interesting but it obviously doesn't explain the other occurrences mm. after that there was no more happenings the witch so once John Gull was disposed of the, John Bell Bell, the timeline of things is things escalate, escalate, escalate John Bell dies Betsy calls off her wedding, the witch disappears. And then I think for eight years, yeah, Betsy ends up marrying her ex-teacher. Richard grows up. Jesse and John married two sisters, Martha and Elizabeth. So we don't hear about the bell witch again. We do. We do. John yeah. Jr. has an experience with her. When he so John Jr. goes on to become a farmer, um, mm -hmm. like a father, and he has an experience where she appears to him in three consecutive days and speaks to him about the past, the present, and the future. And in the one in the last occurrence, she apparently descends into a ball of light and tells him that she'll be back to visit his direct descendant in like 108 years or something like that or 107 years wow which would have taken them to 1935 but in 1935 the descendants didn't there weren't any notable things happening there were a few other things like for example bob bell who is the fifth great grandson of john bell um mm -hmm reported to hear disembodied sounds like heavy footsteps while at his grandmother's home as a child or as a young person. And he would then grab a baseball bat to defend himself, but he would never find where it's coming from. Cool. And also he got a call from his grandmother the one day saying, get over here to the house quickly. When they got there, the butler's pantry doors were all open. The family china was strewn across the floor of the butler's pantry but none of it was broken so apparently it all crashed to the floor but none of it broke it didn't break 
Mm. But again, that could have been something audible. You year to discover that it's not, you know. Yeah. So that happened recently. Then John Kellick, who is featured on the AME TV series Curse the Bell Witch, he further investigates the hauntings. Bob also appears in the series. There's also a play called Spirit by David Alford based on Richard's writings. And Bob is cast as his five times great grandfather in the play. And it happens every year in Adams, Tennessee. Oh, wow. So there was one other instance, though, actually of President Kennedy, who heard about these hauntings and then mm. wanted to go and check it out. So apparently it's when he was still serving. Okay. So his garrison, I'm going to venture, I guess, that that's the word. Um, and he, so he was a in Red River. And then in 1819, he traveled to go and see it for himself. Apparently, a lot of people, once people heard about all these happenings, they would come and see it. Mm. But the uh, the reports of what happened to them, I don't know how factual they were. That's why I just tried to stick with what was happening to the family because of that whole authenticated history of the Bell Witch. I don't know how much of that was actually just to sell the book and how much okay. of that was really true. But apparently a lot of people came, skeptics, cynics, and whatever, and the Bell Witch would talk with them to, like, yeah. prove her realness, I guess. Yeah. So she would, the one thing she was known for was quoting a sermon, quoting from two sermons that were happening at the same time. I heard and, about that story, yep. And then the other thing was English gentlemen apparently came there and she mimicked his parents to him. And he also got word from home that his parents heard his voice in the house and they were worried. So there was this... Which sort of debunks the reliquism thing because how can she be in two places at once and how can she be more than one on person. another... But another continent... But also, I don't know how real these occurrences were. That's the okay. only. So, but I'll tell you my theory. Okay. Because so even if there were two people, can I just say, even if there were two people, back in like that era, there wasn't the technology to communicate instantly. Mm -mm. So, with the two sermon thing. How is the one going to tell the other what, what's being said in the sermon so that she can quote it, is what I mean. Yeah, but I don't think the sermons were happening at the same time of the quoting. I think the sermons happened at the same time in two different places. Oh. And she quoted from both. Okay. Well, that's how I understood it anyway. Okay. So your theory? Oh, we're not there yet. President Kennedy. So apparently he... Oh came and then as he was now making the way there on one of the roads the wheel of his carriage became inexplicably stuck they couldn't get the wheel to move any further so he dismounts and apparently he hears a disembodied voice and then he says by the eternal boys this is the witch and then everybody hears the voice saying, all right, General, let the wagon move on. I'll see you again tonight. 
So the whole party of men hear that. Okay. Men just set up camp for the night. So they carry on because now they're intrigued apparently. And they carry on towards the farmhouse. They set up camp and they actually have a witch hunter with them. And then the witch apparently makes herself known within their camp. The witch hunter tries to fire his pistol, but the pistol won't fire. I mean, you're a witch hunter and you come with a pistol? Maybe it was a silver bullet. I don't know. So the pistol wouldn't fire. And then the witch hunter is struck by an invisible force, apparently. And then they all turn around and leave, go back to Nashville. They don't carry on. Okay. Yeah. I think that witch hunter was just having having them on. So I feel like I need to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Bell family is the main family that is haunted. The neighbor family who they were feuding with is the bats family. And the man What about the gun? <laughs> the gun are the other neighbors. So this is why I was getting confused. They are also from Red River, but they are actually the family that Jesse and John married into by marrying the gun sisters. Okay. Okay. And then the man, Megan Mann, is the modern day chemist. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So my theory is because the Bell Witch was kind to Lucy. Mm-hmm. She had a, apparently had a soft no Lucy the mother. Oh okay. she had a soft spot for the mother. Makes me think that John Bell, the Bell Witch. Yeah, I think she killed her husband. She was in the house all the time. She could easily have orchestrated disembodied voices, things like that. In that time when everybody was so quick to believe in the supernatural, Mm. you didn't have to do much other than hint at it and then people's imaginations would take over. I mean, President Kennedy is traveling to see the witch. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say either Lucy or Lucy and the slaves, or the slaves. Mm. Because if they wanted to be free, they would have easily collaborated, or they could have mm. thought it up themselves and then made up the stories of, because the um, dead man's candle, the animals, that was them. Okay. Doors being locked. So they, they, and because it was such a big community of people, who were almost considered a non-entity, you would just take the story and run with it. You wouldn't Yeah. they are concocting this master plan to get rid of their owner. And they could have also had access to the house. So I think it was either the wife, but then why Betsy? Although with Betsy and the whole protective motherly Feel she sometimes got from the motivations of the witch. Maybe this gardener fellow who she was going to marry, the mother didn't approve of. Right. Because some moms would do that. They would do whatever that they like wanted to be done. <laughs> like to make sure you don't marry somebody who they think is unfit for you. So okay. I think it could be Lucy or a slave. Mm. that masterminded the whole thing and I don't think that any of the subsequent happenings was the Bell Witch I think that's people 
leaning on the legend for their own um, gain. For example, John Jr., he could have been yeah. leaning on the legend for whatever. Yeah. To keep it alive. Who knows what he was And doing. also the power of suggestion. I mean... Because even if Richard people believe that this thing, yeah, well, he so would if people believe that this thing is real or true or whatever, like he was saying, the imagination is a powerful thing. So other stories that I concocted in my head is actually Betsy being in on it as well and not wanting to marry Gardner and needing needing a wow. reason, needing an out, because he's a neighbor. I'm assuming that he's makes healthy. Sense. You know why? Why wouldn't she? want to marry him mm -hmm. and instead so Gardner actually ends up starting a railroad company and becoming loaded so he mm -hmm. gets more successful and she ends up marrying a teacher so maybe she was okay. in love with, and it's her ex-teacher maybe she was in love with him all along and wanted to marry him oh. and maybe her father was abusive that's why her father got killed and that's she needed really a love story it's actually a love story <laughs> because Richard, Richard's account of things, I wouldn't believe as much because he was six to nine. So it would have been easy for an adult to fool him mm -hmm. into thinking whatever he was experiencing is real. Was real. Yeah. So, and then for example, this whole grandmother situation, I mean, Bob, you are playing your great, 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 great grandfather in a play every year. So he could be doing it. Um, to carry on the legend because in this town there's so many him. attractions built around the Bell Witch legend mm. so if you're serving him and he's in the middle of the, the fame and the flurry then yeah you'll you want know. to uh, perpetuate that so my ghost story is from a cynic's point of view today mm -hmm. I don't think it's a ghost story even I think though you are scared shitless and don't want to look into mirrors <laughs> Exactly. You're like I don't believe this is the one I don't believe. This is the one I don't believe. Um, but I think it's actually a woman who, in a time where she didn't have much clout and pull, decided to pull a few strings to get what she wanted: revenge on John Bell for whatever it was, and Betsy out of marriage. Whether it's Betsy, her mother, a slave who was like a mother to Betsy. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That so, makes a lot of sense. That's um, that's my story. Because even like the name Bell Witch, it's like this family just had their own private witch. Mm -hmm. Look, there were a few other happening in the towns around them, but like the one that's that stuck out and is kind of like in one of the towns close by. There was an encounter that people started blaming on the Bell Witch, but then they found out it was actually a prank that was oh. being pulled by a guy called Hickman in the town. Okay. And so, and for example, there was another preacher who, and his wife, who also alluded to the Bell Witch when coal started falling through their ceiling and walls and like, basically like obliterating the place like it damaged the walls it um, broke furniture it hit the wife in the head she was injured <laughs> like and apparently it happened for That's hours but oh. i mean that could easily be an insurance situation i don't know 
You don't know. So I think a lot of stuff that was attributed to the Bell Witch was actually somebody just looking for a scapegoat for their own cock. Mm. Um, that makes sense. But I would have liked to know more about Lucy and mm. her story. Because so that background. John died. He was like 70. And they had a, a nine-year-old, which means that Lucy must have been at Much least younger. 40 years his, his junior, 30 to 40, 40 years his junior, right? Mm. So what is the story there? I don't know. So, But it definitely makes sense. I would definitely look at look at Lucy and Betsy and want to know more. Mm, that the bell which was invented okay well thank you for that that You're was welcome. i like the story of the bell witch i liked ending on the bell witch because it's not real <laughs> <laughs> and that's what i'm sticking with yeah the bell witch sounds a little bit i've known about the story i've heard it a few times it's never told from your point of view though so that was cool thanks thanks for that It's always told from a believer's. It's always told from a believer's point of view. Oh, like ooh, this, these are the things that happened and blah blah blah. So. I feel like if it really was a ghost, then why arsenic? It's a very human way to kill somebody else, right? If it was a ghost, either um, suicide, like psychological, drive them to, or yeah. um, pushing off a cliff or I don't know you know something like I'm that I'm also like what's getting me is the the fact that this these uh disembodied voice conversations or whatever knowing that John was an elder in the church and have a specifically say John Bell is a bad man because mm -hmm. if it's coming from Lucy she would want people to know mm -hmm. you know this elder in the church it's not all he's not all you think he is kind of a thing um so i think it definitely it definitely, definitely. john bell is shady whether it is assault or just the fact that he's a slave owner i mean that's enough he probably mm -hmm. a lot of slave owners assaulted their slaves so there's a whole yeah. bunch of women who would either and the fact that like You know, she's in more than one place at the same time. That tells me it's more than one person in on it. Person. And that's and how you can never locate the knocking. You can never locate because it's... What better way to be invisible? I mean, a slave. Nobody ever notices a slave. Mm -hmm. And especially so, it could have been all of them. Like Lucy could have uh, found out, discovered that he was assaulting his slaves or having relations with his slaves. And Lucy and the slaves could have then you know, collaborated to mm. to off him. Or maybe Lucy knew about the assault with the slaves, but, you know, like most women of that time, she was willing to overlook it until she found out about the assault of Betsy. Mm -hmm. And that would be the final straw. Yep. And maybe John actually arranged the marriage between Betsy and Gardner. Because of the money, yeah. Because, yeah, and maybe this was just a way for everybody to get what they needed, you know? Yeah. So that's my theory anyway. 
And that's the end of episode three. The end of episode three. I promise to not be as scared next time. I'll try. <laughs> I was feeling bad. I'm sorry. I, I said you could stay. stay said you could no, stay. but I. the thing is you're lonely. So hopefully next and week. I may have been getting creeped out myself. Plus, I'm reading all these like scary books now. Oh my God, I think so... I just need to watch like Brooklyn Nine Nine or something. Like, <laughs> temper, oh, temper things. Yeah, temper the vibe. Maybe I'll find nice. It's gonna be rocky. It's a full moon this week. It's at the ninth, I think. Thanks for watching, guys. As always, remember to like this video and share and subscribe we are speaking to zero viewers but <laughs> what if i'm speaking to the person who stumbles across us in 50 years time and like this podcast is underrated why do they have zero subscribers i don't know viewer i don't know anyway comment and all that stuff give us five stars so that more people can find us so then we might have two and we don't have to come back as vengeful ghosts <laughs> exactly then we don't have to come back cool so this is one of four episodes if i am correct mm-hmm. for spooky season good luck to you Lan. but um next week i'm gonna dial it up a bit i'm going to as well <laughs> While I was speaking and I kept asking you, are you okay? And you're like, control being taken in by things. Like I just can't help <laughs> it. So I mean, anybody watching this, if you ever needed a reason to subscribe, Lana would be it. She's a great reason. We're gonna watch her descend into madness one episode at a time. Happy Scootscober!